welcome to the Sports Plus Show with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Just a couple of notes before we get into this week's episode. There was a little problem with the initial recording, so we lost the first 30 seconds or so of the show. We jumped right into the conversation about Belichick and Tom Brady and who was more responsible for their six titles. So that's where we are when we join you in a couple of minutes. The other thing I want to add is that while you're probably listening to this later in the day Saturday, the uh, election was just called by the Associated Press and all the major news outlets. At the time we recorded this just a couple hours ago, that had not yet been the case. So we do talk about the election a little bit at the end, but the that decision was not yet in. So that's why it may sound a little bit dated, even though we just recorded this uh, this morning, Saturday morning. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. He's a player that was sort of built on speed, and his runs recently haven't looked as dynamic uh, as they were. So he may be slowing down a little bit. And then he's got super um, accuracy issues uh, happening, but you know, I, I, I mean, but I think when we get to the real issue, the real issue is who was the reason for the success, Brady or Belichick? And I, I think if either of us is going to say that it's one or the other, we'd be wrong. I think it was the the combination and the way they worked together. I think you could have plugged any one of a dozen quarterbacks into Matt. Into you always Tampa, said that into Tampa Bay's team. If they, they, they needed a quarterback the, for a really wait a long time. Into the Patriots. You could have no, no, no. Plugged. Into, into Tampa Bay. I'm saying they could have brought in any one of eight or 10, you know, top, top level quarterbacks and improved quite a bit. That was a big hole for them for a long time. And you talk about skill players, they've got some fantastic skill players and a solid defense. And that's what it takes. Right. To NFL. right. But Matt, didn't you always feel that, it was Belichick's play calling and that um, that many quarterbacks could have done what Brady did so, uh, with the short passes and the, you know, quick releases. I did, but I've actually, I've changed my tune a little bit. Here's, here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll sort of, I'll, I'll throw all my thoughts out there. I agree with you, Joe, you can't have one without the other. You can't, you know, saying it's one person and it has nothing to do with the other person is just wrong. And then, and if you and if you're thinking that Belichick could have won six without Brady or vice versa, you're you're wrong. I think they needed each other. However, I now I feel pretty strongly that the reason you have six in New England is Tom Brady. They they play two different. They don't play. Bill Belichick is a coach, so to compare their greatness. I think you had the best coach and you had the best quarterback to have ever played the game at the very least the last 50 years of the game, right? These are the best at what they do. Bill Belichick's genius is game plan and getting his team and putting them in the position to execute to win. And then adjusting when things don't go perfect. And you, But you need the players to execute Bill Belichick's genius. Tom Brady was that player. If you look at even the Patriots this year, they are a fourth down and uh, fourth and goal play away from beating Seattle Seahawks. Right. Right. Where Cam Newton got stopped on the one yard line and they are a fumble away from at the very least tying the Buffalo. But probably beating Maybe, maybe, but but at the very least, they are a fumble away. And this is not 
to just knock Cam Newton. He's a former Hall of Famer. But I think it just highlights he's a human being. And I think in New England, Patriot fans have been so conditioned to Tom Brady not making those mistakes. Bill Belichick had the Patriots in a position to beat the Seattle Seahawks. Bill Belichick had his team in a position to beat the Buffalo Bills. The players didn't execute. Tom Brady never, with the exception of maybe that pick six against Tennessee, but they weren't necessarily in position to win at that very moment. Right. Tom Brady never made that crucial mistake that lost the game for his team. Tom Brady always made the play that won the game for his team. And so I think, to me, this just highlights coaching is important, but the player execution and the player buy-in is what wins the game. Because a coach can get their teams in the position. The coach can't do it for them. And a fumble, an interception, a goal line, you know, you don't score from the one. That's player execution. And I guess that's also saying we shouldn't be totally dismissing Bill Belichick's greatness because they're struggling this year. Bill Belichick is still doing a great job with a very untalented team. And they had a very untalented team last year, which is why they were one and done in the playoffs. But Tom Brady is the reason they have six. Without Tom Brady, I, I used to think anybody could have won. It was just their dink and dunk. And, and Tom Brady is the reason that they won six. And maybe without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick has one or two, which is Hall of Fame. I mean, that's Tom Coughlin has two Super Bowl rings. He's a, he's, he's a Hall of Fame coach. And, and so that's sort of what I'm thinking. I, you know, but it's not to say that one rode the other coattails. Um, you know, I just, I, Tom Brady's the reason they won six. I, I, I don't, I think, no, I think Belichick could have won six with Joe Flacco or Drew Brees. Interesting. Interesting. A, a I take Matt's, I take right Matt's opinion on that one, Joe. I, you I think, think Brady, Brady really brought that much. Was really something special. But I, keep going, Joe. Keep going. So well, I, I just, I don't, I, you know, just because Cam Newton hasn't replicated his results in, you know, eight games or nine games, however many they played. I mean, there's so many extra circumstances. Yeah. This, this is the worst team, like you said, Matt. This is the worst Patriots team that he's had, probably. Well, and probably then they since have injuries. They have injuries and defections on top of it, so they are a gutted team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're you know they're going to struggle until I don't think we can expect Cam Newton to come back from this. Not this season. I mean, this is this virus is devastating, and I think we're underestimating that if we're trying to compare the Brady era to the post Brady era. There's nothing there's nothing to compare it to yet because other than those first three games, because Newton hasn't played, hasn't been healthy. I think if you could bring in a you know if they had a a Drew Locke or a um, who's the guy from Oregon? Oh my God, my people are going to kill me. Herbert, 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 yeah. Herbert, if they had, yeah. had a, a younger quarterback like that, I think they'd be doing uh, far better. And if they had a, you know, like I said, a reliable vet, like you know, and Breeze maybe aiming a little high, but you know, one of the, 
you know, one of the few successful veteran quarterbacks left in the Fitzgerald, league. Fitzgerald, the guy that the Dolphins just sure. I, you know, I bet at, at this point, really he, good job. Yeah, I bet he would. Yeah. You know, and again, he's the kind of guy. He's a Harvard guy. He's a smart guy. Can plug into any system pretty quickly. But I think you're. I think we're. we're we do this in sports sports media all the time, where we over we assign too much importance to a very small sample size and i think i'm i'm you know and it, the rest of the country is kind of gritting its teeth watching brady succeed so well in tampa bay right but, but i mean the issue the issue that we're talking about today is not really cam newton and because yeah, you're right you know yep. we're talking about belichick and brady now the thing i'd like to say about belichick is that he he learned his craft under Bill Parcells. The Patriots play exactly the way the Giants used to play, which was keep the game close, be within a score late in the game, and win at the end. And win at the end by not making mistakes, period. Not making mistakes. No fumbles, no interceptions, no penalties. And it's a... It's worked for Belichick. So that, you know, Brady needed that kind of um, coaching for sure. Belichick, uh, Brady in another environment might not have had the success that he's had. What if Brady went to the Jets? What if Brady, how many Super Bowls would Brady have if he went to the Jets? Zero, zero. No, Joe, you're you're right. And it's an interest, like, it's not to say that they, that, they needed each other to be as successful as they are. But I just think in New England, you're so conditioned. It's not normal to win six Super Bowls. That's not, that's, it, right? There's a reason why they have as much as they have. It, it's not normal. So the reason that not normal thing happened, in, in my opinion, is, is Brady. I don't think you could plug any quarterback because sooner or later they'd make that mistake. No, what, what Joe Flacco beats the Atlanta Falcons after being down twenty-eight to three? No way, no way. And even and even if you look at their first three wins, they all three of them were field goal margin victories. They won by a field goal by Adam Vinatieri. It, it wasn't even like it was a Tom Brady throw. It was because of a, a kicker. Tom Brady got them in the it, it, down the field against the Rams, what did they have? Like uh, a, a minute, minute and a half ten? or something. Yeah, and like the, a minute uh, ten to get in the field goal range against the Panthers. The clock. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and, and I, I this is off the top of my head, against the Panthers, uh, John Casey kicked the – the after they the Panthers scored the touchdown to go ahead, he kicked the, the uh, kickoff out of bounds and gave the Patriots the ball at like the 40, and Tom Brady makes a couple throws in 30 seconds. I just think – Again, Bill Belichick's gene, I, I agree, any quarterback, Bill Belichick would get his team in positions to win. He's in a position to win with, with Cam Newton. Any but, quarterback, any quarterback. We were thinking about it mean they're going to win. And that's, that's right. what I'm kind of saying is that Bill Belichick would have his team. Bill Belichick would be in the playoffs every year. He's playing in the AFC East. He would win a few but he would not have six Super Bowl rings without Tom Brady. Well, I think you're, you're assuming that Brady would have been replaced by, you know, Sam Darnold. Or, you know, the, the, the not having Brady, I think, is less 
critical than not having Belichick because Belichick's the one who built the system. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who manages the whole team. I think you can can more easily make an argument for slotting another really good quarterback in there and giving them the same level of success than you could taking away the architect of the entire situation. And there are so many things that go into coach being a head coach in the NFL that aren't even on the field matters. And the respect that this guy commands in that building after, you know, building this legacy is gets him that momentum gets him a lot of things. It earns him it really so does. much credibility so, when a new person walks in that building. So Cam Newton so, says besides all the, you know, the strategy and all that stuff, what he's really learned from Belichick, is that you just work hard, you work hard, you work hard, you work hard. You know, that sort of attention to the moment, to detail. He said he's never been around someone who is so in the moment. And you don't see that out of someone who's essentially the CEO. You know, the CEO of Hewlett Packard doesn't work like Bill Belichick does, doesn't have his his hands in everything like Bill Belichick does. And that's where I think we overestimate what Brady meant because he's been successful in this short season, but we have to give Belichick a chance to do what he does. And that is rebuild his team when he loses stars and he's never lost a star this big. I, you know, I'm not saying that if you plug in Joe Flacco, you're going to have six Super Bowls. What I'm saying is he, the, the things that Bill Belichick has done for that team are, bigger and more important than what any one player can do, even if it is Tom Brady. Well, yeah, but I, I sort of take Matt's point of view that without, I mean, the combination is needed, but without Brady, this magic wouldn't have happened. And also though, but I would like to say that I was a Boston Red Sox Patriot, you know, I saw the Patriots play before they had a stadium and I saw him play in Fenway park and you know, and the teams were terrible. You know, they were all terrible. Boston won nothing for 50 years. Nothing other than the Celtics run. They won nothing and occasional Bruins. And so all of a sudden, 2000 comes and life is different in New England. And we've yeah. become, and it's mainly because of the football too, because, you know, the Celtics won once or twice. And, you know, the Red Sox have won four times, which is pretty impressive ruins of one but i mean it's the combination but it's so the thing is let me just throw in one more thing about belichick which is so here's a weakness of his which is he's also the general manager and even though he has really hit on a lot of players i mean honestly i think brady was pure luck i don't know i mean they drafted him in the fourth or sixth round something like that yeah everybody 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 passed on him um, and, you know, they didn't know what they had. I mean, they knew that he was good and all that stuff. I, you know, I might be totally wrong about this too, but I just believe that they really lucked out on him because when Bledsoe got injured and he came in and just played great, then the genius of Belichick was not giving the job back to Bel- Bledsoe. He saw that Brady was great and he because, wasn't, you know, Bledsoe yeah. was going to be out the door. And so, I mean, I guess I'm Bill Belichick is the greatest coach to have ever coached, but you you can look at any other hall of fame coach. Sean Payton is a hall of fame coach and he has a hall of fame quarterback, Drew Brees, and they have one Super Bowl ring. 
Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's got one Super Bowl ring. Bill Cower is a is a um, Hall of Fame coach. He's got one Super Bowl ring with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it, six is just it, it's again it's not normal. It's and I think it was because of Brady. But to your to your point, Daryl, yes, I agree. They got the, the NFL draft is luck. There's so many misses. Um, you know, when yes. Tom Brady got drafted, he went up to Bob Kraft to introduce himself to him and said, I'm Tom Brady. I just want to let you know you made the best decision you've ever made for your franchise. <laughs> and, and, and the story, as I, as I remember it, the story is like Bob Kraft kind of chuckled. and was like, oh, yeah, nice to meet yeah. you. Like, yeah, okay, okay, fifth round quarterback, go sit behind him. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Drew Bledsoe, who yeah. also, by the way, Hall of Fame quarterback. And yeah, he was Drew good. Brees, I mean, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Bledsoe. When um, Bledsoe got hurt, the, the, the first things that Bill Belichick said was, you don't lose your starting position on, on when you're injured. Drew, Drew Bledsoe will come back and he'll be our starter. And then he saw Tom Brady, <laughs> wow, this kid's pretty good. Right. He doesn't turn the ball over. He, it's not about a Hall of Fame skill set. Drew Bledsoe was already a Hall of Fame quarterback at that time. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Packers because that allows me to show you why you're both wrong. Because <laughs> if if you take Aaron Rodgers and you put him on the Patriots for for that same span that Brady played there, they win six. They maybe win five. They maybe win seven, but they probably win six. If you take Tom Brady and you put him on the Packers from those same teams, they probably still win one or two, and that that's where. I think you guys are underestimating. Interesting, interesting. That, that guy he at the top. Sort of have us that, there, man. He does sort of have us there. The guy at the top means so much more than any one player. Any one player. I don't care if it's Tom Brady, and I don't care if they had Sam Darnold. They probably still would have won one somewhere, you know. And, and you know, projecting Sam Darnold out as a forty-three-year-old, whatever, whatever mental gymnastics we need to do to make these things work. But I think you can you can move Belichick around the league. And have more success than if you had moved, excuse me, than if you had moved moved Brady around the league to those same teams. Fair point. I, I just I think it's the coach's job. The, the coach's job is to put the players in the position to win the game, and then the players have to execute. And there was just nobody. I mean, you, but you know, Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't. He's only made it to one Super Bowl. Right. No, I mean, two. I think but our so base. In, it, I just the players have to execute, and I see if if Tom Brady is on this Patriots team, this Patriots team, they at least what are they now two and five? Yep, they're at least four and three. Because yeah, Tom agree. Brady beats the Seattle Seahawks, and Tom Brady beats the Buffalo Bills at least with this exact team right now. Yeah, I but, but I think. Anyway. Let's let's stay in the re reality because the thing is Brady was burned out on the on on the Patriots and was going to leave. Um, you know when they didn't get they had to offer him a really good contract two years before he actually left and they never did. They well, but, they, they lowballed him and they never did that. And Joe, I, th to your credit, this is kind of your point too, Joe. Bill Belichick's system is it's not about the player. It's about the system, and and I and I concede that. I, yeah, you're absolutely right in that. Bill Belichick is always you get rid of a guy one year or two years too early than mm -hmm. one year yep. too late. 
and I right. bring the next well, guy in and to run the system, but you still have to execute. And it's just, it's just what you guys are going to do with me. Once I get you know a little more senile, <laughs> you're going to kick me out the door and bring in a younger face. You know? We can bring somebody else in to run the soundboard. Should we? We need to do it a year too early. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's the Belichick way. So you know, you better get ready. Is all. I'm just giving you early warnings. <laughs> you just go start complaining about us on Twitter, and that's how we'll go. <laughs> Twitter. Uh, that'll be a long day before I get on Twitter. But again, um, I think I think the I think you know it's easy for us to look at what Brady's done in his first half a year outside side of Belichick say oh he could he could have done this work this miracle with any team but he walked into a pretty good situation and I think until we give Belichick a chance to do what he does best and respond to that and try to rebuild his team for next year you can't we can't make that assessment but I think absolutely you guys are are wrong (laughs) that if you move you could put put Brady in in all all 32 teams historically over the last whatever, 15 years, and he doesn't win six Super Bowls with any of them. And I think no, no, right, going to move right. Belichick around to all 32 teams, and there are a number of, number of teams where he would have won multiple Super Bowls. Uh, maybe multiple, yeah, but I, not six. I'm saying Tom Brady. The <laughs> and, uh, you know, Brady did not make mistakes at the end of the game. So let's just agree that Belichick's They're both great, great. Coach, and and it was just a really fortuitous marriage for the New England right. Patriots. Um, and it's just a very – because all the other dynasties, the Cowboys, the Steelers, they were basically good for, you know, five, six, maybe seven years. And then they had a down period, whereas the Patriots kept this up for 18 or 20 years, whatever it was, with very – even the uh, year Brady was out with an injury – they nearly made the playoffs. Well, so. what's interesting is I can only really think of two cases where teams were successful with different quarterbacks, and that would be that would be the Cowboys with Roger Staubach and Danny White went to Super Bowls with both of them, and the Niners who won a bunch with Montana and then won a couple with Steve Young, right? One or right. two, Steve Young won. Right. So, so I think, yeah, I think. You know, there's it's it's going to be if we see Belichick rebuild this team with another young quarterback and win more Super Bowls. The thing is, I don't know how much longer either of these guys has. You know, they probably right, are, right. are getting. Although, you know, obviously Belichick can go far longer than Brady. So if Belichick, well, goes, maybe. But the thing is, again, I want to bring up Brady's weakness as a general manager, and it's really not. It's not that it's necessarily a weakness because all general managers, like Matt was saying, miss on draft picks, but. His last two drafts have been very poor. Uh, so there's no productive players um, out of it. And, you know, and the, so that's, that is a problem. But do I have total faith that, that Belichick will rebuild the Patriots? Absolutely. Well, it's funny that you brought up the draft because I think it, that's maybe the one part of Belichick's organization that you could say he probably has – he, I'm sure he has the ultimate say over which players get picked, but as far as evaluating players in the pre-draft process, he doesn't have time for that. And that's all delegated to younger staffers. And I think you could conceivably say that problems with the draft are much less his fault than I don't know. problems on the field. Manager. He's the general manager. Yeah, but you, can only, but you can only do so much – you have to rely yeah. on the information that comes in from no, your scouts, from your player player personnel evaluators, and you can't, you know, 
no matter no matter how much time you spend absorbing that, no matter how hard you work at it, you're only, it's only going to be as good as the information you have coming in. So if there's anything well, that, lacking there, I could see that that contributing. Well, and that's why I believe how many other uh, Bill O'Brien was head coach GM. He got canned. Mike Hol- Holmgren, he's no longer a coach. He was historically with the Packers and the Seahawks. He was head coach GM. And then you kind of have Belichick. Not many coaches. Jimmy Johnson did it with the Cowboys. Right. Not many coaches are GMs for that reason, Joe. Uh, it, it's it's two totally different jobs. But nonetheless, I mean, I agree with Daryl. He is the GM. So it, the buck stops with him. He hasn't had good drafts as of late. You know, he missed on Enkeel Harry. Think about it. You look at who the wide receivers who were drafted after Enkeel Harry, uh, DK Metcalf. He could have been a Patriot, right? right? You missed on him. Um, the running backs, you know, drafting Sony Michelle. He he missed. I I, I think doing the Sony's off. pretty good. And Harris yeah, looks like he's going to be the real thing. But yeah, but but you know, he's Brady missed. He has had instances of missing. And, you know, he's also obviously had hits, too. But, he, um, but that, I think, sure, is... I kind of think, and, and before, I'll, I'll, um, I'll say this first before I get to my point. I, I'm totally speculating. I'm assuming. I'm, I'm being a psychologist, and I have zero psychology <laughs> education. However, I do see the Bill Belichick system before player mentality that's a tough sell in an NFL locker room with today's athlete with Tom Brady in your locker room. It makes that sell a lot easier because he, he Bill Belichick would ride Tom Brady the same way he would ride the 53rd man on the roster. If I come Brady Brady was a worker and, 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 and you would not be a rookie in that locker room and say something negative about Tom Brady. Now you've sort of lost that. And today's athlete is not going to come into the locker room and work as hard as they need to, to hit that Belichick standard of excellence. I, I, it's harder to find those diamonds and, you know, those gems. There's, there's six of them. There's six young quarterbacks like that in the league right now. Patrick Mahomes has that. And you can't, the thing is now Brady made that the standard to where you can't come into the league and succeed without doing that. And LeBron James did the same thing in basketball in the eighties. You got, you remember this guys in the, well, maybe Matt, you might be a little young to remember the eighties, but the NBA was a disaster. And it's, and then you, you, we got Michael Jordan in there who all of a sudden worked out harder than everybody else. And I think, I think I, again, you guys are also wrong about Belichick's flaws as a GM and you know, who agrees with me? the USA today who ranked all 32 GMs just a couple of months ago and Belichick was ranked number one. And here's the argument is that if you could pick any GM in the league to build a team, you were starting a new franchise, an expansion franchise tomorrow, you could pick any GM in the league and they would come to your team. It wouldn't even be close. It would not even be there. Would the, if you ask all 32, all the other 31 NFL GMs, if they could have Bill Belichick <laughs> run their team, they would take it in a heartbeat. And I think you know we're we're it's easy again for us to it's easy for us to underestimate his worth because they've struggled this year. Nope. Here we go. Oh, Joe, great. <laughs> this is good. I think that you're doing that because 
of his coaching ability. You're saying you'll take him as a GM because of his coaching ability. If you no, 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 because, because he is, can, he's assembled these teams. These are, right. this is all him. Wait, wait, take away. If, if I gave you 32 pieces of paper with just rosters, you did not know the team it was, and you just had names, you would look at the Patriots roster and you would say, who are these guys? Historically, they won because of, so it's not just about Belichick building the team. He built the team and how he knew he wanted to coach them. So just if you, if you okay. separate, if, but so to that point, I don't want Bill Belichick to be the GM of my team unless he's coaching them too. Because if you take okay. those guys, but, but right, let's, if, no, hold on. If you take those guys that are on the Patriots roster, historically, they've always, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, they're guys that can't play on another, they can't play on the field on another team, but they're Hall of Famers as Patriots because of how Belichick coaches them and in the system. So if, you, if he's just the GM, he puts, he, he, he finds those diamonds in the rough because he knows how he wants to coach them. So if he's the GM, I actually, I don't, you know, just as a GM, I would not want him to be the GM unless he's the coach too, because he does well, not. Okay. That's a good point. But, field. but, you know, even though I'm criticizing him, you know, look at, he drafted El Edelman, who was a quarterback. He traded for Welker, who was just a do-nothing for Miami. And this year, he drafted his first pick was this guy, Kyle Duger. And so he's like a Division two, Division three, whatever it is. Uh, you know, he was on nobody's radar, and he looks like he's the real thing. He's been a little injured, but when he plays. So I do think Belichick has a real eye for what he needs to make a complete team. I, Matt, and I agree that he is best when he can do both those things. And I think, and, and again, something you pointed out earlier, most coaches who try to do this fail. He has not yeah. failed. And mm -hmm. we right. can, you can point to this year's team and say, well, he, he didn't, he couldn't do it without Brady. But I think you have to give, you know, they've, they've suffered a lot more than just losing Brady. I think you've got to give him a chance to, to respond to all that and do his, do his, right. do his rebuilding. But I think you're for you to say that he's so good at both that it makes him less good at one or the other, I think is unfair. And I, you know, the, 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 and I, this word's thrown around way too much in sports, but he's a football genius. And I think if you put him as the GM with a young coach, he would learn the, that young coach's proclivities and strengths and he would he would adapt his you know acquisition style to help that coach and i think you could say the same thing that if he, if he somehow became coach without being his own general manager he would find a way to get the best out of whatever players he was yeah now listen i want to steer us off this but before i do i want to bring up one more thing what about the person who recognized before Belichick had really had any coaching success um, it, that he was a really good coach. If you remember, it was Kraft. And Kraft paid dearly for um, Belichick because Belichick was coach of the New York Jets for one day. <laughs> and and um, 
and they had to give up a draft pick. I you think, had to bring high... that up, Daryl. You had to bring. Yeah, it up no, there. I mean, but but what uh, my question is: How did Kraft know that it was so important to get Belichick? Well, I mean, he had, know, like, had success in the Giants with Parcells. That's a great. That's a great point, Daryl. And I think we've missed that too. Where it's not just the coach, the player, and that's it. It is ownership. He, Bill Belichick failed as a Cleveland's, a Cleveland Browns head coach. He was a coach for the Jets for a day and knew what he had in, in, in New York and said, peace out, I don't care, right? <laughs> so there is something to be said for the way franchises and organizations are run from the top in ownership. And, and that's why, look, yeah. look, that's why the Dallas Cowboys, who have all the talent in the world, right? You look at their roster, if it's just paper, and you're like, Dude, has this, is this the team that's won six Super Bowls? And they can't get out of their own way because Jerry Jones doesn't know how to run an organization. That, that is. Jerry Jones has won Super Bowls. I think the. Yeah, but he's Jimmy a Johnson. jerk. He, he comments on the games. He, he's that like, was Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson was the GM and head coach of those There's, Dallas Cowboy teams. Ever since Jerry Jones has been GM, goose egg, nothing. We have lots of other better examples of horrible ownership. And fortunately, unfortunately, I root for two of them, the Knicks and the Jets, who will never – I mean, the Knicks are not going to win anything as long as – Didn't they finally – didn't the Knicks finally hire a decent coach? They keep hiring decent coaches, and they hang around for a year. Dolan, Dolan needs to get out of New York big time. He needs to be out of the NBA. Yes, oh, he's absolutely. Bad, he's a bad look for the NBA. Yeah. All right. But, uh, so, yeah, and, and but again, as as long as you guys both understand that you're wrong about this, we can, we can move on. <laughs> okay. So you know what I like is you know I listen painfully to some sports talk radio, and the thing that is so horrible is this abrasive name calling of other you know, you know Felger, you're an idiot, you know all that stuff, uh, you know. So I really do appreciate the fact that. Joe, you claim that Matt and I are wrong, but you do it with a smile on your face and you're not like, you know, insulting my kids or anything like that, you know? So, so that's, that's all positive. We're adults on this show. We can agree to disagree. We're adults. Yeah, th thank, thank, you, listen, thank you. Thank you. You big jerks. <laughs> but wait a minute. I've got an, I've got an idea how to uh, unite Joe and uh, oh, yes. Matt. Yeah, Alex Cora. Oh, you get me to be angry again. <laughs> oh, God, this is just me be screaming the whole show. Okay, so, so be, let me just, in case there's somebody who doesn't know the Alex Cora story, um, Alex was bench manager for the Houston Astros the year they won the World Series, what, three seasons ago? And, um, and A.J. Hinch was the manager. And they had a very elaborate cheating scheme. Uh, that was disgusting, horrible, and, uh, you know, whatever. Hinch got, you know, uh, suspended for a year, and just 30 minutes after his suspension ended, he was hired by Detroit. Um, so Cora came to the Red Sox. They won the World Series, had a great team. There was, in, in the Homer's point of view, a minor uh, scandal there involving some uh, filming uh, that was similar to what the Houston did, but not as advanced. And Cora did not know about that, but there it is. So now 
He served his year and he's back. And the reason that I'm the one last thing I'll say before you guys excoriate me <laughs> is, is that people, you know, I think felons should be able to vote. I think once you've served your penalty, you should have all the rights. He served, Cora served it. He also, Cora, unlike some people who, you know, get found guilty of things, he, he, he assumed responsibility for it. He did not pretend that it was nothing. He, he you know, took the hit. So there you go. That's the background on the Alex Corey story. Go ahead, guys. How come you're both drooling in anticipation? You know, that, that's <laughs> the background through the very, very, very <laughs> of one admitted, and I admitted, admitted blind and to, spot. To call what he did in 2018 with the Red Sox minor is that that's a that's 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 kind of off because what he did with 2018 with the Red Sox should have gotten him suspended for another year. And here's here's the problem I have when if you or I Okay, perfect example. You're both teachers. Let's say one of you committed a a gross ethical violation. You took money from a from a kid's parents to give him the passing grade when he didn't deserve it. Would you expect to? Were you suspended by the Massachusetts Education Association, whatever the union is? Were you suspended by for a year? Would you expect? the day after your suspension expires to be able to walk right back into that same job that you held, or would you expect to have to build yourself back up, build your reputation back up, ascend from a lower level again? And I think the fact that we just hand this guy his job back as soon as the suspension's over again, and I keep bringing up Michael Vick in different contexts, but it's the same sort of thing that if an organization feels that, someone can can help their their w's and l's or their dollar signs they don't care about any of the ethics and we we allow these these a guy who was was blatantly caught and it, again you you kind of underestimate his role with the with the astros too he was the mastermind behind this entire scheme this was his idea this was his baby he ran that that system and hinch got suspended because he was the Bill Belichick of the team. He ran the team. He needs to be responsible responsible for what happened. But I think the the level of violation should have at least required him to come back as a hitting coach or a minor league <laughs> manager or something before we just yeah. give him one of these these one of the thirty most important jobs in baseball. All right. Well said. <laughs> Here's. I, I am all for second chances. I have zero problem with him being, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, rehired. But uh, Red Sox fans, get off your high horse. And, and, and I think this loses credibility to the organization, quite honestly. You know, as a Yankee fan, I'm tired of hearing, oh, well, the Yankees buy all their, the, uh, the Yankees do it this way. The Yankees buy all these free agents. Look, the Red Sox are no different. They want to win and they'll, they won't stop at anything to do it. They're both big market here's, teams. Yeah. Here's, here's what happened, right? Uh, Red Sox ownership and, and Cora got together and they said, hey, if we mutually agree to, to part ways, we'll hire you back when this thing blows over. Don't worry about it. We appreciate what you did for us. That's what happened. 
That's what happened. So the I, ethically, I have, <clears throat> I have no problem that he got rehired. It, it, like it, he's a, a second chance. I, 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 I um, am for people getting second chances. But the fact that he got hired the day, <clears throat> you know, one day after he, he's, his suspension's uplifted by the team that supposedly was doing the right thing by getting rid of him, give me a break. So the Red Sox organization is no different than any other organization who only cares about the wins and losses. There is no Red Sox way and we do things. No, the right, no, right. right. There is no, none of that. that. And, and, you know, the evil empire is, is Boston. Right. And, no, and, I, listen, I, I totally agree. And I don't think my argument for Cora has anything to do with that. For one thing, I think that's faded. The Red Sox-Yankees um, rivalry is is not what it used to be. Um, but it's because the, the Red Sox stink. Because the Red Sox stink now. That's a, <laughs> well, yeah, oh, the new minute. rival. It, it, yeah. And just just to refresh you, 2018 World Champs. So um, cheated. <laughs> had, had 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 they do in the playoffs this year again? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they didn't have Cora. Uh, so the reason Cora's back is that the the um, oh, one other thing I do want to say about the Yankees is that Cashman has been great. So what the Yankees have done over the last tw- 15 years is just tremendous. They, they really have done a great job. Very few mistakes and a lot of hit, hits like that D.L. Matthew. You know, a lot of uh, picking out gems. Sort of Belichick-like. But um, but the thing is, for the Red Sox, just like it is for the Yankees, is the managers have to have a thick skin, have to be able to handle a really uh, inquisitive, accusatory media environment, and also fans that are rabid. And Cora did it. He did it in spades. His players loved playing for him. De- Devers and um, Vasquez, you know, had, Rodriguez had their best years ever and then fell apart when he wasn't there. So, again, why did they from, have their best from a blind ever? Homer's view, Cora did a great job. I'm glad he's back. But why did they have the best years ever, right? Like, we could get into that. They, they, they were cheating. They knew what pitches were coming and, and they were able to hit them. Fine. I, again, Daryl, it's not. I can't disagree. Players loved playing for him. Sure, all that stuff. He was a player's manager. I get it. But for the team, the organization, to basically just say, you know, behind closed doors, hey, look, baseball's making us get rid of you. We'll get rid of you. Come back. Water under the bridge. No big deal. This was a big deal. And I do believe... They were not the only team doing it, right? I think that's fair to say. I'm, I'm speculating on this. But there's a reason why baseball didn't really investigate every clubhouse because they would have found more teams cheating, and, and that would have been bad for baseball. So they stopped after they saw Houston and Red Sox. They stopped after that pretty much. But, you know, if he got rehired to – or, or if, he got, if he got hired to coach – you know, I name a team, the the Tigers, the Brewer, any other team, I'd have less of a problem with it. The fact that he yeah, got same. hired to coach the Red Sox, I just, 
that just screams to me that this organization is, you know, is okay with cheating. That, that That's it. They're okay with it. They see no harm in it. Eh, no harm, no foul. We won a championship. Let's go do it again. Well, you and can say so, the same. You say the same for Detroit hiring Hinch too. That they don't care about his ethical problems. There, and you know, you'd like to assume that having been punished, they're not going to do the same thing again. But again, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that, Matt. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, but I mean, I, I won't go as so far to say that. Look, Hinch didn't cheat with the Tigers, so I, I'm going to go and, and I'm maybe I'm naive. You know, uh, he learned his lesson. Here's his second chance. He's not going to make the same mistake again. It's just the same team is a bad look for me. It just, it, it screams. <laughs> they didn't take the punishment serious to begin with. And, you know, that's just a bad look at being the same team. Daryl, you looked like you were in <laughs> actual physical pain listening to Matt say those words just now. Well, it's, you know what? And this must be the blinders on my eyes because I, from what I've read, the, the level of cheating that the Red Sox did was not in the same ballpark as what Houston did. I'm out. And I might be wrong. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. Think about what you just said. You're a teacher. The level of cheating. <laughs> Thank what you. Qualify Thank that. You. What does see, that mean, the level of cheating? It so, means Darryl, that I'm I don't class. think that – see, I don't, I'm not buying the cheating aspect in the same way. Or, or let me just put it this way. It completely left my mind. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. But the rest, of but you know, I will, I will say in, uh, in fairness, that I will look into the Red Sox cheating and next week uh, issue a mea culpa uh, <laughs> if if I'm wrong, uh, which I probably am. Um, so, but you know, this week I'm going to remain ignorant, happily ignorant. Well, I mean, Daryl, if I'm a student in your class and, and you give me a test and it's a 10-question test and I cheat on seven of the <laughs> questions, yeah, I didn't cheat on the whole thing, so it should still, whatever my score is, should still count, right? Because my level of cheating, I didn't cheat on all the questions. <laughs> cheating is cheating. And, cheating and, is cheating. I agree. But and unfortunately, it's such a part of sports. And, you know, Hopefully, to get it off the Red Sox for a second, let's see if I can fake to the left and, and draw you guys away. <laughs> um, so look at soccer and the flops, you know, and, and what a really terrible thing that was for soccer and still is, you know, where a person brushes against somebody and they go down like they were, um, <laughs> you know, uh, hit with a howitzer. And unfortunately, my favorite sport of basketball has got the same disease. You know, people reach their hands up and the guy is like writhing in the ground on a, you know. I so, think that's gamesmanship, not to, cheating. And to basketball's credit, I think they did a great job this year to knocking that down, especially when they came back from the bubble. And they did also did a really good job of getting rid of the outrage every time a foul is called. So I think you got to give the NBA right. credit. Right, no, I agree with you and, there. And like, yeah, we're did. always giving the NBA credit because they're the best-run league in the world, yeah. and I think they deserve it. But I, I agree with soccer. It really kind of makes it hard to watch for me, the theatrics about it. But it's yeah. become right. part of the game. And it, like, like Matt said, that's not cheating because it's all within the rules, and it's, it's gamesmanship. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's using the rules. It's, of the, 
It's using it's cheating. Of, it's cheating. No, no like, it's using no, the, it's, like it's within the rules of the game. You're using the rules of the game to gain an, gain an advantage. It's like no, the, the shift. Don't say it's like that the, if, you, if, if you get brushed by the hair on a person's head, that you do a somersault backwards. But Daryl, here's where. The rules. But Daryl, here's where here's where I think it's gamesmanship. Is because just because you fall down does not mean the ref is going to blow the whistle and right. give the other guy a yellow card. Right. It's still up to the ref. What all the player is trying to do there by flopping, and I agree, it's horrible. I hate it. I can't stand it. But all the player is trying to do is draw attention. Hopefully, the ref didn't see it. They see me writhing in pain, so they, they blow the whistle. It's not – they could flop. Play goes on. And now their team's at a disadvantage. So that's gamesmanship. Right. Same and Joe's, Joe's right that, that – um basketball has done a better job than soccer basketball if, if basically if, if if the referee now again if you flop in basketball it's up to the referee i could blow the whistle or we can play on i might call a tech on you for flopping right so that a, a i foul. agree NBA right. did a nice job yeah. in that but that's not cheating um you know r- recording pitches in real time <laughs> and 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 darn i tried using electronic signals to yeah, yeah. yeah. You, using <laughs> using real time to identify pitches is cheating and All so right. so listen no, i'm con- i'm confessing on the air that i will take seriously looking into it because i'll be honest in my world view um <laughs> you know i consider i consider Houston to cheat, and I don't consider Red Sox. So Where I ex- are we? you guys can expect an apology from me next week. Well, I just want to throw one more thing into this, this argument. The, um, in hockey, we see it all the time, but it's so subtle. Like, you see guys yes, draw yeah. penalties all the time, and that's, that's considered yeah. a, a plus for a player if they're good at drawing penalties, if they can subtly make a little hook look like a big hook or a little slash right, like a big right. slash. And so, you know, you've got the degrees, right? So we've got the players that do that in hockey who do it really subtly. We've got basketball, which is now somewhere in the middle. And then you've got soccer where you get an elbow to the shoulder and it's like you got shot with a howitzer. Yeah. 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 And like, and, and the NFL does that too, to the same extent, I think, as, as hockey. Like if you watch an NFL game, uh, you watch those interior linemen, right? If they're being held a little bit, mm-hmm. you see the, the defensive linemen, they throw their hands up. Whoa, like, you have to, there's so much going on. I understand right. why a player would want to draw attention. But, um, you know, again, <laughs> pitch, pitches in real time is, uh, and, and banging on trash cans. Eh. Okay. So <laughs> in our last uh, less than four minutes, um, please let's talk about something else. I'm like I'm suffering here man I'm suffering and I know I'm I know I took the wrong argument and now I have to you know uh look into it but um you know we we, need to talk go ahead well I said we got this far without talking about the giant elephant in the room which is the unresolved election it's now we're recording this Saturday it's seven o'clock Pacific time 10 o'clock eastern time we still don't have a winner we probably won't for a few more days I'm okay with the pace slowing down at this point, because I think it's inevitable that Biden's going to win. He's, he's got, there's no way Trump's going to win all of these States that are still untabulated. No, no. But I mean, Trump could still come up with some tricks. Uh, but what, what, I, but, what I think is, has not been, noticed, but I think it's unlikely. What I have not seen mentioned anywhere is that 
the you know we saw this with Ralph Nader who take took votes votes away from Gore in 2000 right. and gave the election right. to Bush. Joe Jorgensen took a lot of votes away. There were lots of these battleground states where Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate, was the only third party candidate on the ballot. And libertarians are going to take votes from Republicans. They're going to take Trump votes away. And her the number of votes that she got was far greater than the margin that Trump was even ahead in, in battleground states. And now that he's behind, I mean, he's losing 70 or 100 or 200,000 votes in some of these states to Joe Jorgensen, where Howie Hawkins, the Green Party candidate, wasn't on the ballot. So there weren't any third party votes coming away from Biden. They were all coming away from Trump. I think when this is all said and done, Joe Jorgensen will have won this election for Joe Biden, which I have not heard anyone mention. Yeah. Any. Right. That's interesting. Well, you know what it means? It's because Kanye West couldn't get his campaign going. <laughs> 12, 12 states, 60,000 votes, I believe. Was well, you know what's interesting? And, and I know we don't really have a whole lot of time to get into it. Um, and, and so maybe it's a sports plus show. Maybe uh, next week we'll see how the sports go this week. But maybe we get a little bit more into the plus next week after hopefully we, we officially learn who our president is going to be. Um, but I think it, it's, um, I, I don't even know if I'm optimistic of the next four years. And it's almost not, it has nothing to do with what I do think inevitably will happen is Biden being president. I'm just worried about, you know, us as people. And, um, you know, I, I watched The Social Dilemma last night on Netflix, which if you haven't watched it, folk, like, go watch that. Uh, I think it's eye-opening, um, but I worry about us as people and sort of where we go the next four years is worrisome to me. And and having young kids, you know, they're not going to be able to vote in the next election cycle. But you know, just the world that my kids are going to be growing up in is not going to be a better world that I got to grow up in, and I'm upset about that. Well. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm going to finish up uh, in the last 20 seconds. The, um, so me, I'm an optimist. I see Biden's will make a move to say that he is president of the 68 million people that voted against him. And I think that's where we need to go as a country. And I'm hopeful that we will begin to talk to each other again. We'll keep talking to each other here on Sports Plus. We'll see you next Saturday. And thanks a lot for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Well, um, well said, Daryl, at the yeah. end. I, 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 I hope, hope, hope you're right. I you hope, can, I, I hope I'm right. The thing is, I don't know if those 60-something million people are going to want. They're going to want them. million. <sighs> That's the thing that blows my mind. Yeah. Is, I'm sorry. It's like, you know, like I've, I respect limited government. I respect a strong military. I respect fiscal sanity. But that didn't happen under Trump. And well, then you throw the, the awfulness of his human being there. How does he get 68 million votes? I'm, I'm going to tell I, I, Here's what I think. I'm with you, yeah. Here's, here's what I think. And, and, and Daryl, I don't totally, I, I understand what you're saying. I am not a Trump supporter. I wasn't four years ago. I'm not now. I think the hatred for Trump has made it about Trump. So just think yes, of, okay. hear me out for a second. Trump didn't get elected in 2016 because people thought he was a great guy. I think they elected him because of what he represented, or actually what he didn't represent, which was this corrupt 
dishonest, untrustworthy government. And nothing in the last four years could change anybody's mind about the type of person Trump is. But I, what I think, it's not about Trump the person. It's about this government, this distrust. And if you look at, like, look at even just what happened where, Daryl, you and I, were here in Mass. Look at what just happened over the last two weeks in Mass, where our governor said, well, at 9.30, everybody has to be in their house. Because what, at 8.30, the coronavirus isn't going to get me, but at 9.30, you're sending me to my house? That doesn't, like, there's no trust. And in my opinion, that, that's where the 68 million came from. It's not so much about Trump's a good guy. It's he represents something that a lot of people, we don't have trust in our government. We don't have trust in our media. I don't know, Joe, that, that's I, kind of what I'm thinking. I totally get that. But I, I don't know how you could even even and I forgive people who voted for him in 2016. But if you didn't see after six months what was happening and and, you know, I know a lot of people who voted for him in 2016 who have spent the last four years apologizing or just wondering what happened and didn't vote for him again. And that I can understand. What I don't understand is how anyone looks at the 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 job he's done and the way he's comported himself over the last four years and said, I want this guy to continue to be my president. And you're right. It is, it's become so much about the identity of whether you're a person on the right and a person on the left. And I assume that you're, are you, you, are you Republican? Do you consider yourself a right, a right leaning person? I'm, I'm independent. I, I, I have a hard time with any label of any sort. Um, I don't like any label. Like I, I just, I, I think I can look at any situation or any topic right. and make my own choice about it. So, and, that, and that's the thing we've, we've fallen into this thing where it's, it's the people over here and the people over here and almost, you know, I I'm, I'm with you. I think we all look at any situation, any political issue that comes up and we evaluate it on its own merit. And we all have this broad array, the spider web of opinions and feelings and inclinations. And we've been shoved to this team and that team. And I think the one thing that, that I saw was turnout was up, but there were still, it was still about 66% of eligible voters. You're talking about a third of the eligible voters in the country who didn't think this election was important enough to vote. And I understand but at least there was increased participation. But, so I understand people in states like Oregon and Massachusetts that don't vote because it essentially doesn't matter whether you or I voted Biden was going to win our states regardless. But I think that I think a lot of it is people just don't feel represented by the two parties that are in power. And what I would love to see, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the party system in, the, in this country reshuffling every 60, 80, 100 years, we're overdue for that. And I think that 33% of people who didn't vote is ripe ground for the emergence of libertarians, maybe the Green Party as an alternative third party. And it'll be decades before we elect one as a president. But what I would really like to see would be a handful of libertarians and socialists and Greens elected to Congress just so no one party has a majority in, in it's particularly the Senate, which yeah. is a more important body. But if we were at 46, 46, 
five and three, then the parties, the major parties have to, and you see this in Europe all the time with the parliamentary system, you have to bring others in to what you're doing to, to have it, to have it work. So here's, have you seen the social dilemma? No, I haven't. I'm almost afraid to because I rely a lot on my social media, particularly Facebook. Yeah. And I've heard from everyone that as soon as you watch it, you want to delete your Facebook. Yes. Well, and so here, I'll, I'll I'll leave with this point. And then I, I've got to, we, I know we're doing the extended time. I got to hop off. I hear my kids yelling in the background. (laughs) What, and and this is the problem and and where I I'm worried. What social media does is they know, Joe, everything you click on, they know what you watch, how long you watch for it. So the algorithms and the AI on the other side of like on the other side of the screen, they know you. And so they're going to continue to send things that you agree with that you want to watch. And so what happens is you have an idea or an opinion in your mind of what's right. And then you're force fed people who agree with you, which Mm -hmm. does nothing but confirm your right and everybody else is wrong. And that's a problem. And so now what we have are people who four years ago, for whatever reason, voted for Trump, the reason why maybe they didn't change their mind is because for four years, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, all the other social media platforms kept force feeding what they wanted to hear, which reinforces, oh, wow, Trump really is good. Or the other way around, oh, wow, Trump really is bad. And that's why we're so dug into our side is because all we get to see is what we want to see. That's by design by social media. That is extremely dangerous. And And you know, the other thing that's amazing is that people who believe something and then that belief is shown to be categorically wrong. There's no question about it. They still believe it. Mm-hmm. And a they lot of times people, it. they dig in deeper as they're challenged. Right. It's just, right. it's not because this is a valid fact. It's because the world's against Trump because he's, everyone's jealous of him or whatever these. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you there. And you can see that on a smaller level, just in the way we curate our own social media. And I've gone through and gotten rid of most of the Trump supporters on my Facebook because I just can't, I can't absorb so, what it is that they're, that they're spitting out. They actually, if you do watch, the documentary, I recommend it. Anybody out there listening, take it for what it's worth, but be cautious on social media. But they actually, Joe, will say, you know, that's probably the worst thing to do because by not being friends with those people, the algorithms will continue just to push the one narrative. And I'm not, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong, but the, the truth is they're kind of, it, it's like, you know, I draw six, you see a nine because you're upside down. I see a six. We're both kind of right. There are two, two viewpoints which are a good thing, but we're so entrenched to thinking I'm right and you're wrong. They recommend at the end of the documentary, you have the guys who, were, who helped build Facebook and Google. They actually say, we recommend that you, you like opposing viewpoint pages for the, for the one reason of, algorithms might spit out valid arguments to the other side. I I think I may be the exception because I I think I do a pretty good job consuming 
regular media, non-social media that is from a broad spectrum. But I think the, and I, this is how I looked at it. Like I wouldn't keep these people. These are people that I'm not friends with in quote real life because yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. share their values and I don't being around them is stressful for me because of the way they feel about certain things. So I, I saw no reason to keep them to stay attached to them through social media just because we went to high school together or we had, you know, had a job together 15 years ago. That's, yeah. that, that's where it became an, an issue of, you know, sanity. I hear you on that. The idea stress. of, well, we're friends on Facebook. What does that even mean? Yeah. So I'm with you on that. All right. Well, Daryl, Joe, I got to go. Good, uh, good debate. Go Yankees. It was a lot of fun and I'm ready to eat crow next week. <laughs> <laughs> I will I save that and replay it. I have a blind spot, but you know, I, I'm, I'm at least honest about being a homer. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fan. Yeah. Fair All right, guys. Take care. See you guys right. next week. Thanks, guys.